Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. You're listening to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you in-depth and behind the scenes with the biggest shows on Broadway, off-Broadway, and beyond. I'm your host, Variety's theater editor, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to Billy Piper, the English actress who's probably best known in the U.S. for her roles in TV shows like Doctor Who and Penny Dreadful, but who in the U.K. had a huge stage success with Yerma, a new adaptation of the Federico Garcia Lorca play about one woman's struggles to have a child. Piper's Olivier-winning performance earned reviews that called her earthquaking and devastatingly powerful. American audiences will get their first chance to see Piper on stage at New York's Park Avenue Armory, where she's reprising her role in a month-long run of Yerma that ends April 21st. She's here in the studio to talk about what it's like performing in a shattering show day in and day out, and we'll also chat about her early days in the music world, her TV work, and, of course, her time as the fan-favorite companion Rose in Doctor Who. Hey, Billy. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, So there was a time about a year and a half, two years ago, when folks in New York in the theater industry would come back from a trip to London and every single one of them would say to me, oh my God, have you seen Yerma at the New Vic yet? Oh. It was a, They just couldn't stop talking up the production and your performance in it. And I felt like it was one of those, and it doesn't ha- actually happen all that often, one of the big hits over there that really resonated here with folks. Um, That's good to hear. For listeners who maybe don't know a whole lot about the project mm-hmm. or maybe much about the play that inspired it, tell us about Yerma and your role in it. Okay, well, um, Yerma is a an old play um, written by Lorca, and um, it's sort of a classic. It's it's a play that I didn't study at school because I didn't finish school. But <laughs> <laughs> apparently, the students who stayed on at school uh, <laughs> all studied. So um, it's you know it's um, it's kind of a, it's a historical piece of work um, and. Yeah, it's it. I I got an email around about it, it being on at the Young Vic like in twenty fifteen at the end of twenty fifteen, and um, so I read the original text and I thought it was beautiful and really moving, but really poetic, and I couldn't imagine how uh, it would work in its current form um, now. Yeah. Um, but then I heard that Simon Stone was involved in, and I think He's he has the a writer director. Yeah, 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 and he has a, a sort of history of reinventing uh, classics and um, and staging them really cinematically and uh, making it feel very sort of natural and authentic and not really like a theatre experience. Um, and every part of that appealed to me. And then the theatre that we we played was also a big love of mine um and so i don't know i just this is the young vic that you're talking about the young vic so like i feel like um and it's updated the this version it's you're a 
blogger oh, or journalist. Yeah, yeah it's it's great for that because as much as I love the original, I sort of didn't want to be weaving baskets and <laughs> lamenting about the oxen. Sure. You know, it was like I sort of I don't know. I was so excited when it, they were gonna uh, he was gonna make it more modern and and I think it sits really well contemporarily because it's 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 about a woman who can't get pregnant and and how that sort of consumes her life and this is something i talk and hear about frequently um amongst friends and um or you know in the media uh so it feels very very topical and then the minute something feels like that i'm interested you know if i feel like it's something that people are talking about it's very exciting and so is that part of why you think people responded so strongly to the piece? Was its resonance there? Yeah, I also feel like it feels really current in its look at modern relationships, like, you know, the pre- this, the, the pressure of um, the world around us and what it means to sort of coexist now that men and women are working in equal measures and sometimes women, you know, more and um, what that looks like in a relationship and and then this age old fact that we are sort of governed by a biological clock whether we want to support that idea or not that is a fact if you are looking to have children at any time and um, you know it's 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 an emotional experience and I think um, people relate to it because it's, it's as much as it's about a woman not being able to have a being able to have a kid it's also about a, a, a relationship falling apart and we all know what that feels like <laughs> so I think I think people really tap into relationship stuff because it feels quite therapeutic doesn't it and it's people want to connect with material like that and it was it's staged in a really interesting that set is super cool is the short yeah it's super cool it's uh, it's staged it's it, it's just us with two sheets of glass um, uh, surrounding us. Um, so it feels like you're... Actually, I don't know what it feels like because I've never been in the audience, but I imagine it feels like you're watching your neighbours from your window. Mm-hmm. It feels quite voyeuristic in that way. And um, I think that's what makes it feel... I think the reason people get quite moved by it apart from its content is that it feels very real because it's not oh I'm in the theater and they're performing for us it doesn't feel like that it feels like you have walked in to someone's life and you're sort of watching through your curtains you know and that makes it um feel pretty you know it's sort of immediate and this this piece goes to some really kind of raw and emotionally devastating places. Does yeah. That, did that, as you were reading it and thinking about uh, doing it, what did that give you any hesitation at all, especially if you knew you had to do it six six days a week? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I never think about doing it beyond rehearsing it stupidly. <laughs> so, like, I always just go, oh, that looks really, like, I can get my teeth into that, and then suddenly you're doing it eight times a week in the UK, at least, and... Um, uh, how many times are you doing it here? Seven? I think it's seven, seven, yeah. yeah. Um, which is already really exciting. Like, <laughs> just that one less show yep. just feels like a game changer, and it will be, because those midweek matinees are killer. Yeah, I bet. Um, so, yeah, it will be... Um, the play is pretty short as well. It's like 90 minutes. Is it 
is it particularly sort of grueling to do as an actor? Is it really a tough one? It is pretty it is pretty tough, but um it rockets through at such speed and I'm on pretty much the entire time and um I you know, I find it like I find it like quite a cathartic experience myself. I just I I feel like theater sort of satisfies me in that way so it gets rid of loads of my own stuff um so yeah I mean you're done by the end but um <laughs> <laughs> but it's not I don't know that it's a massive uh, um uh sort of dark toll it takes on me I don't know that I experienced that what does your day look like when you've got a show at night do you do anything special in terms of maintenance <sighs> try and keep it pretty low-key um I've got two children, so I, I am with them, and and in in a way, I think, you know, when I would, didn't have kids, you know, theatre is quite a chaotic existence, you know. Um, but it, 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 I think, it, there's there's this sort of uh, something quite relaxing about doing a show like this and then going home to a real normal life where you can't get too consumed by the role does the the fact of your having kids affect mm. your look your experience of this role yeah I really think it does I really think it does because I you know excuse me some people say to me you know how you know what isn't it hard to to play this part knowing that you've had kids and so you can't really imagine how it feels and it's like actually it in a way it, it sort of helps because I think I've had been fortunate enough to have kids, so I sort of the thought of not being able to have them, knowing what I know about having had kids, is really quite devastating emotionally. And I think that, you know, that's something that has always crippled me about the play. You won an Olivier for your performance. Congratulations! Yeah, thanks. Does that, as an actor, you've just won a big award for your performance? Does that? feel like pressure when you return to that performance um n- no no oh, I that don't, seems very healthy i, applaud I don't think so <laughs> no no i don't think so i i i um it's it's really nice to get an award like that like <laughs> it's wild you know and you just sort of think how is my life how has this happened and i'm really crazy grateful to be recognized in that way and whatever and then but then it's you know i don't know it sort of it, it just feels good and then anything beyond that i don't i don't really know i don't know that i have any anxiety around it where do you keep it the award in my living room on my mantelpiece well done <laughs> I'm not, I have no sort of humility around it. I'm just like yeah. the center, you know, like it's just right there. Just in the minute everyone walks in. Yeah. So I feel Or like... my son squirrels them up to his oh, bedroom. Right. <laughs> he calls them piston cups, like from Cars, yeah. the movie. Uh-huh. Um, so he, he likes to sort of squirrel them away into his room, which I'm totally cool with. Yeah. <laughs> So a lot of people here in the U.S. probably know you 
first and foremost for your TV work. But yeah. in London, you've done a number of plays. You did uh, Reason to be Pretty, yeah. the Neil Abute play. Um, you did the effect that Lucy Preble, yeah. the play that R- Lucy Preble wrote. Do you enjoy acting on stage? I do, yeah. I really enjoy it, especially if, the, well, only if the material is good mm. and if you have a connection to it. Otherwise, it's one of the most taxing things about being an actor ever. Do you think of yourself as a theatre person? Uh, no. I, I like 30% of theatre I go to see. Um, I... I'm always curious as to how long a show is before I go. Like, I have a bit of a teenage... I mean, that's all of us. I Come have on. a teenage feeling around going to the theatre. I feel a bit like, oh, God, it's a big ask. It's a massive investment. You know, there is etiquette around it that you cannot escape. You know, there is... It's expensive. So I get... You know, I, f- I have all of those feelings. But when it's good, it, there is nothing like it. So you've just got to take a bit of a punt. What is it? <laughs> what is it that you find you respond to when you go to theater? What is in that thirty percent that unites it? Really, really um, honest work. So where you can, you can. I don't know, like people sort of. Wait, I don't know, like flesh and blood a bit. Yeah. You know, yeah. when you see people really, really going for it. You know, like. Like sort of seeing when you see Beyonce live, it's like it's different to seeing other people live. It's you know whether I don't know how she's experiencing it, but when you see it live, it feels so soulful. It's it's beyond moving. When people just bare their soul in that way, it's like it. There's nothing like it. It sounds like being here in New York was a big professional dream of yeah. yours. T- tell us about that. Uh, yeah, it's my professional dream. <laughs> well, and why? Was that to, to act That's in New it. York? or to... to do a play in New York yeah. has been my dream since I was so little. And um, yeah, it makes me quite emotional thinking about it. Like it's just, it's quite weird. Like I feel like I've willed it so hard and now it's coming true. So there may be some power in that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you've never lived in New York before? No, I've come here for, you know, sort of wild, sure. chaotic weekends here and there. <laughs> it's going to be hard to imagine five weeks here, you know? <laughs> it's going to have to take a totally different uh, approach. Yeah, especially when the kids come. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> And a, a lot of folks here in the U.S. might also not know about you that um, you were a for reals pop star yeah. in the U.K., right? Um, <laughs> did you enjoy performing on stage then, too? Was yeah, that a thing I, that you... that's all I liked about it. Interesting. Yeah, I, I was never like, I'm a massive fan of music, but I didn't play music and I didn't write music. Um, but I loved performing live, so mm. I think I got a real taste for it there. How did you get into that? I went to a theatre school and I started modelling when I was a kid and it was one of those really... Was this in London? Yeah, like superficial things whereby someone looking to sign a female soloist, a young young girl, um, saw me on the front of a magazine and came to the school and asked me to do a demo tape and it it literally happened like that. I mean, it Mm. was pretty shotgun. Do you have any favourite songs of yours that that really Mm. mean something to you? Um, I like 
Honey to the Bee, I think, mm-hmm. is a really cool, sweet sort of song. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I really... In, I really found that part of my life it, really exciting at first and then pretty exhausting. And sure. and so I'm just kind Seems of... Seems like a tough life, it's it was, especially for a young person. Yeah. yeah, really young and teenage and sort of exhausted by that anyway. Um, but I... So I've had a lot of sort of negative memories about it. So um, only recently have I started to re-engage with it as a memory because I feel like I blocked it all out for a while, like in some sort of trauma response. (laughs) Um, And I am... But I'm reliving it a bit now because my kids are showing interest in it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that means that I can enjoy it again. And then at some point you made a decision to shift out of that, to transition out of that... Yeah. Tell, tell us about that. And was acting always the next step? Um, yeah, I wanted, I always wanted to act. So that's why I went to this school. Um, and I guess at some point I just realized that I couldn't carry on in a profession where I felt like a charlatan. And I, so I just jacked it in and started auditioning. Right. It was just like that, really. Yeah, wow. Mm. And did, was that a hard life? Was that a hard transition or...? It was tricky. It was really frustrating and it meant that I had to do a lot of proving and proving and proving and, you know, everyone were, people were curious, but it felt like an experiment to see me audition in a room or if that's how it it felt. Yeah, that that was my feeling about it, whether that's true or not. That was my interpretation and, and so I had to do a lot of that and that felt really unnatural, but, you know, we all have to do that at some point in our lives. And then how did Doctor Who happen? Was that... It was just as simple as auditioning. And yeah. then... Did you know this? Were you a fan of the old series? Or? No, I never <laughs> watched it as a kid. Uh, and I'm not a sci-fi fan. So right. I, it had very little interest for, for me. Um, but it's been a bit of a life changer, that. It seems like it, it's right? It's huge. It's huge. And it has this fan base that is sprawling. And it brings me here a lot. Yeah. Um, How so? In terms of in conventions fan stuff and, and fan yeah, stuff, uh-huh. it's kind of bigger here than it is even in the UK. Oh, is that true? Yeah, yeah. it feels like it is. Yeah. Is yeah. it? It seems like you enjoy. I mean, you keep coming back to it, so I feel like it seems like a thing that you enjoy. I do enjoy it. Um, I go back to it because of the fans, really. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's kind of weird to revisit a role over and over again. Um, even though I'm basically doing that now. <laughs> but, like, it's... Um, I guess it feels like... I just do it really with the fans in mind, you know? How do you feel about the new Doctor Who? The film oh, I Jodie feel, Whittaker. Oh, I love her. She's an amazing actress, and I think it's a really wise, progressive move, you know? And so, after Doctor Who, how did you then go about thinking about the projects that you wanted to take on next? I guess every role I do, the next one is in reaction to the one I've just done. So when I did Doctor Who, I was like, great, but I don't want to be in this sort of family genre for right. anymore. And so I'm going to go and play a prostitute right, you were in, the, well, in Secret Diary of a Girl, which right. is the polar opposite. And also it just, yeah, I guess... 
Well, speaking of that series, actually, Secret Diary of a Call Girl was written by Lucy Preble, yeah. who you then worked with on the effect. Are you yeah. going to continue to work on things together? Yeah, we, we're creating a show together, oh. and it looks like it will probably uh, shoot next year. Oh, great. great. Yeah. Can you tell us about it? Uh, yeah. Um, basically, it's... Um, it's about a woman, uh, 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 an actress who, whose life is hacked, um, and all of these—well, actually, something quite sim- simple but provocative—comes out um, into the public domain, and um, hmm. it it really destroys every facet of her life, um, even though it's something that's, you know, you know, kind of something we all do <laughs> and um and and it's so it's a massive life crisis which is how it feels to be in your 30s actually <laughs> and then what the 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 hack does is it forces her to unmask i mean unmasks her and um and suddenly she has to you know kind of tap into these these truths and and um and sort of you know embrace her 30s which are uh i think very challenging mm-hmm. i think your 30s is a time where you start reflecting on everything you have or haven't achieved or where you're going and what your mental health is like and are you in a circle of repetitive negative behaviors and it's it's a t- i feel like it's a like your 20s are like just you know sort of I mean, they're fun and they're wild and they're without consequence. And, you know, obviously there are dark moments in your 20s, but pretty much when you compare them to your 30s, they are a bloody walk in the park. Do you know what I mean? And in your 30s, it's like, wow, shit's getting real. And it's, um, and as a woman, it's a good, it's a good, you know, it's a good climate to talk about what it means to be a woman in your 30s and uh, what you're subjected to and, and you know how you move forward. So What's it's the name quite. Of that show? It's I can't really say the name at the okay. moment. Okay. Um, but it's it's very dark. Um, so I was just going to ask. It sounds dark. It's dark, but it's you know it's funny. I mean it's 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 upsetting and there's crisis. But you know I often think that creates some enormous you know, laughs. laughs. <laughs> the two things for me go very much hand in hand, right. you know, stress is, is funny. Yeah. There's to, some humor in your mouth. Yeah. 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 I mean, people going through it is really hard, but, um, you know, there's also a lot of comedy around stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. You have yeah. to laugh at moments, life crisis. Right. And, you know, at some point, because otherwise it just, it just kills you, doesn't it? Yeah. And I, <laughs> I know a lot of people here who uh, were excited about Penny Dreadful when it was on. And I they know. Followed it. And, uh, it can pretty safely be said that you had the character with the most kind of delightfully batshit crazy journey, I know, right? I, I know. Mean, <laughs> She's nuts. Was that fun to work on? It seems yeah, like a great time. It was awesome. It was awesome to work on. I'm just sad it's over, you know? It was it happened so suddenly, and it was, it was a feast of a role. I, I bet, yeah. yeah. It was um, so... There were many, many facets to that oh, whole, let's I know, say. just super challenging and, yeah. um, you know, and sort of, you know, it was weirdly on point, that character, yeah. with everything that's happening. Yes, that's true. It's yeah. bizarre. It was like a premonition. Yeah. Yeah, at one point you organized an army of women, uh, right? An to, army of women yeah. to destroy 
male kind. Yeah, yeah. the patriarchy, basically. <laughs> I know. Um, which is pretty much happening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> And so you'll be in Yerma through um, the, toward the end of April. Yeah. What's next for you after this? Um, I've written a film, and I think I'm going to... Well, I know I'm going to direct it. Great. I just can't imagine directing <laughs> it at this point. <laughs> I think I'm going to direct it. It's happening, and I've got to come to terms with that. And tell us a little bit about that. Where will uh, you It's shoot? called Red Beast, and it's going to shoot in the UK. And... Um, it's again it's something i'm obsessed with this sort of uh modern movement and what it feels like to be that generation of you know part uh, relationships that of people who are sort of sandwiched in between traditional unions and and the modern movement and the complexities around that and uh you know who what we believe in and sort of in the absence of religion for many of us and um and now this big female movement it's it's pretty stressful (laughs) like I want to say like female emancipation is amazing in many many ways but it's also really hard and and there's a lot of pressure around it because you there is a pressure to be you know um very militant and in full allegiance with it all and sometimes it's really confusing and sometimes it is it's a very it's very nuanced and it needs a lot of sensitivity and and I really like guys and they're not all assholes you know and I want to talk about that dramatically like so that's those are its themes. Do you think you'll do more writing? Yeah, yeah, I do. This is your first screenplay. This is my first screenplay. I mean, I've been writing, you know, stuff since I was really little, but I've only just got into the habit of finishing anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And are there any stage roles you'd like to play next? Are there? I don't know what I would do after this. To be honest, it's a really hard act to follow. It's really ticked so many. Uh, boxes for me as an actress I just don't know what to do after it really I feel like as a singer you must get asked about musicals at some point I'd love to do a musical film but I understand that doing a musical in the West End or on Broadway is really hard and you really have to take care of yourself (laughs) true and I just it just sounds a lot of work (laughs) it does because it goes on forever and it's like so many shows and you have to be so careful with your voice and I don't know like I just don't think I'm cut out for it I I think as I did it a lot as a kid I have this emotional memory of it being a real slog Um, and so it doesn't really appeal to me but the thought of doing it on film in a really sort of visually exciting way makes me really you know I'd love that well I can't wait to see what that is when yeah it I might and write it myself yeah exactly mm. and I'm really looking forward to Yerma oh thank uh, you seeing you on stage in lots of things yeah thanks thank a lot Billy. thank great you great to talk to you thank and you, you. That was Billy Piper, the Doctor Who and Penny Dreadful star who's now reprising her Olivier Award-winning role in Yerma at the Park Avenue Armory, where the show plays through April 21st. 
On the next episode of Stagecraft, I'll talk to the playwright Lynn Nottage, the two-time winner of the Pulitzer Prize, whose latest play, Malima's Tale, tracks the life of an elephant through the international ivory market. Until then, see you at the theater. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.